1: This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
2: Philadelphia's relatively short, I guess. Nightmare is over. James Harden is gone. He is a member of the LA Clippers. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN radio, on Sirius XM Channel 80, on your smart speakers, on the ESPN app, wherever you want it, including the video. You're welcome. Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh with you. And one big, big note for tonight's game as we get ready for Game 4 between the Rangers and the Diamondbacks is that MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred is scheduled to join the pregame of tonight's World Series Game 4 on ESPN Radio. By the way, if you have not heard Eduardo Perez and Jessica Mendoza with Boog Shambi, they have been doing an amazing job. Boog's calls after Game 1 were absolutely phenomenal. And he is as good as it gets. So it's great, great listening on ESPN radio if you're a fan of, you know, good broadcasts. Anyway, uh, when it comes to James Harden going to the Clippers, be careful what you wish for. So let's see, Joe. We've got James Harden with Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. What could go wrong?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> very excited for
3: this. Very, very excited for this, especially at the start, because the honeymoon phase with Harden is always solid, right? It's the same thing all of us have when we go through our, our our dating. You start dating someone, you're not meeting them, you're meeting their agent, right? Opening doors, wearing cologne, doing all the right things. I think a lot of people listening, myself included, know that as time goes on and the relationship gets deeper and deeper, there are twists and turns, one of which is you might not put on as many airs. You want to try to keep that up if you want to have a healthy marriage, but you might not put on as many airs, And that's what happens with James Harden or a lot of these situations that take place throughout sports. At first, everybody's in love. Everybody's looking to put their best foot forward. Harden has no problem facilitating for Kawhi Leonard and for Paul George and potentially for Russell Westbrook. But at some point he's going to want to get his shots up and you're going to have to wonder how that plays out. Initially, this is a very intriguing addition for the Clippers. They're currently number two in the NBA in offensive rating. Harden can come in and he can be a guy who can facilitate and play make for Kawhi Leonard, for Paul George. He can get them easier shots. That's fantastic for two of the game's better scorers, right? It also gives you Russell Westbrook coming off the bench, which is interesting. In addition, we know Paul George and Kawhi Leonard need to take a lot of rest. They've shown us that throughout the years. While that's happening, Harden can then step into a scoring role, which is something he's very interested in. So it provides that backup situation when the top two guys, in terms of scoring, are going to take their nights off. There's a lot to like here about the Clippers, but it's all about the duration. Because I'm sure it's going to look good early on. But what happens when everyone's not getting the shine they all feel they deserve? That's the big question. That has always been the issue with Harden at every one of his stops
2: previously. By the time that we hit the trade deadline on February the 8th, which is 100 days (laughs) from today, I'm just going to ask this question. Not about Harden. Not about Harden. Because it'll be longer than that. Will one of those four individuals be asking out? Westbrook would be the only one
3: potentially because I think his role is really going to suffer here. But he might be at the point in his career where that doesn't necessarily matter. He just wants to contribute in any way possible. I think everyone else is going to be happy and content by that point. I think they're going to win a lot of games. And assuming they stay healthy, I think they're going to want to see how they can perform in the playoffs. But Westbrook would be the only one that might
2: want to go play somewhere where he can have a larger role and contribute a little bit more. Here's Woj this morning on Sportsman like uh, of course the ESPN senior NBA insider on uh, what the Clippers think Tyron Tyron Lou can do in this whole situation. They think they have got they have a team in LA um, that has enough firepower to compete with the elite and has a coach in Ty Lu that can coach Harden and can make this group work. In other words, to Tyru Ty, uh, Ty Lu. Good luck with all that. Yeah, you have to – I mean, you talk about a pressurized situation. It's now on the coach to try to make three of the most temperamental players in the league work together, and then you throw in Paul George as well. I mean, that to me – is you, you do that, you immediately win coach of the year, and you might win it automatically for the next two years just in principle for making it happen for one year. Oh, no, you're thinking too small. You do that, you
3: become the new Zen master. Get out of here, Phil Jackson. Like, that's yeah. not managing Shaq and Kobe looks like nothing compared to figuring out how to manage these four together. You figure out how to navigate it with these four, you are the new Zen master.
2: Okay, let's be realistic, though, about one thing. And, and I don't think this is talked enough about with James Harden, right? His reputation gets all of the attention for him as a star player, as a superstar player. The problem is, is he that anymore when he can do it one night and then the next night it's 10 points, 2 for 12 shooting and a remarkable streak of inconsistency. So from that, that's where I'm very curious as to how that's all going to work with the Clippers and to where it puts them in the Western Conference now because that's the bigger issue. I don't trust James Harden not to not implode. I don't trust James Harden to continue to play consistently enough to where this is worth it.
3: Well, when you say consistent, there's two 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 levels of that that we're talking about. Can he play consistently within the role that best suits him? Or can he play consistently within the role that he wants to do? Right? Mm-hmm. Here's what I mean by that. In Philadelphia... You go back to the series last year against Boston, which I'm sure is part of what you're alluding to, and he didn't give them the consistency they needed. They didn't have him beat in game one. He goes out. He drops like 40 points. He has this unbelievable resurgence. They win the game. Everyone's looking at Harden thinking this is absolutely incredible, right? But then fast forward to game six and game seven. He goes completely MIA when they needed him. They needed him to score in those games. They needed that because they weren't getting it from Joel Embiid. He wasn't 100%. They weren't going to rely on Tyrese Maxey enough. So it was going to be James Harden needing to have a big game from a scoring output, and he couldn't deliver that's where people get caught up with the he's not consistent enough. Yeah, he can't be a consistent 30-point scorer in the postseason like he used to be in Houston. Those days are over. But if you come in and you're being asked to consistently facilitate for other scores like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, suddenly you got something cooking. Uh, the question no, becomes nah, – Hang on a
2: second, though. You're, you're, you're kind of being – you're buying into something that Harden was trying to sell and – That others have tried to sell the last couple of years and the numbers will look good at times but when it boils down to it in the most important situations hardens not worried about making everybody else look good that's the problem out the and 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 facilitating for everybody else
3: and that is the problem right there is it can he consistently operate within the role that they need him to operate that's the facilitator role. Doesn't mean he can't get his 14 or 15 points, but no one is asking James Harden to drop 35 points and win you games like they did in Houston. They need him to play make for Kawhi Leonard, for Paul George, make it easier for those two, let those two handle the scoring and boom, just like that, you've got a formula that could work. But Harden has shown that if he's unwilling to buy into that, and he'll buy in early, but if he's not willing to buy into that late, we're going to be right back where we started, except instead of the Sixers, it's going to be the Clippers. Let's Let's talk about the West for a second. Sure.
2: Where does this put the Clippers in the West?
3: So we're going to bring up the team futures right now, conference winner, and as we look at the Western Conference, the Nuggets are obviously your favorite plus 250, followed by the Suns at plus 330, and then it's the Lakers and the Clippers at 7 to 1 along with the Warriors. So three teams right there. So basically it's tier 1 Denver and if you want to put Phoenix on tier 1, odds-wise they're kind of there, but if you want to say Denver by itself, then you would say Phoenix by itself, then it's Lakers Clippers, Warriors, and then the next drop-off is Dallas and Memphis.
2: Okay, but the odds aside, do you feel like the Clippers are a top-four team in the West now? I would not
3: buy into them in any way, shape, or form to do anything. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't make any pro bet on the Clippers at all because I have seen this story so many times. Can I trust Kawhi Leonard to stay healthy? No. Can I trust Paul George to stay healthy? No. Can I trust James Harden to deliver when it matters? No. That that that's that's it. Like there's no way. I'm happy to bet all the no's and then if it blows up in my face, come on here and admit I was wrong. But there's no reason for me to sit here and say they're gonna win the West or they're gonna win the title because of insert any sort of BS analysis here. I've watched these guys all long enough. There are too many problems with this roster. And you're telling me you're going to get by Denver, who is just a well-oiled machine smoking everybody? Everyone's bought in. Everybody knows their role. Everybody's on the same page. No, I'm sorry. And that's before we start talking about the other teams. I'm yep. just going to look at Denver by itself and say, no, you're not getting by them. This
2: this all looks sexy. It really does yeah. for the Clippers. It looks great on paper, even and you'll even say to yourself, We know what the pitfalls here, but just imagine, just imagine these guys all playing together. And that's where people get suckered. Just imagine, right? That's where they get suckered. There is no shot that this Clippers team makes a conference final. And I'm not even that confident that they could make a conference semifinal because I don't trust them enough. I don't trust them enough to not implode when it matters the most. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, Dr Pepper Call In Line is eight 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 say ESPN 888-729-3776. Joseph, there is more to the Jim Harbaugh story. Oh boy. It just keeps coming fast and furious. And we have got the very latest for you on this, and it is a spicy meatball, and it's coming your way next on ESPN Radio.
1: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple.
3: Sign stealing happens every game. There's nothing wrong with teams over there looking over trying to steal our signs. There's nothing wrong with us trying to look at their signs.
1: Everyone's trying to get an edge. You could have someone's whole game plan. They
4: can mail it to you. You still got to stop it. I think the idea that this is against the rules is ludicrous. The
3: difference between just watching them with the naked eye and videotaping them strikes me as ridiculous. That said, obviously, the world doesn't. It ultimately comes back to Harbaugh's doorstep. The buck stops here. It's your program, you're responsible.
2: Oh, my God. This just keeps getting funnier and funnier. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. I I honestly can't believe that I'm about to read what I'm about to read to you. Here is the very latest on Michigan uh, sign stealing. This is from Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. Central Michigan is investigating photos that show a man who resembles Michigan staff member Connor Stallions standing on the CMU sideline with the Chippewas coaches for the team's opener September 1st at Michigan State. Athletic director Amy Fullen in a statement to ESPN, said the school became aware of the photos late Monday. The man resembling Stallions is dressed in Central Michigan-issued gear and standing alongside several of the team's coaches while wearing a bench credential. The credential reads VB, which is for visiting bench. There's not a name on it. that's different than a general sideline pass. It gives access to basically anywhere on the visiting bench, right? So the thought process is here that not only was Connor Stallions going out, taping other team signals at all these different Big Ten schools, at all these potential college football playoff opponent schools, hiring people to do it for them in all these different places, but then also potentially, allegedly all of this, going and helping Central Michigan with the signs of the Michigan State staff by being on their bench. Now, why would he help Central Michigan? Two reasons. Number one, Central Michigan's head coach is Jim McElwain, who was on the staff at Michigan as the wide receivers coach a couple of years earlier. He, of course, is the former Florida coach. And number two, why wouldn't Michigan want Michigan State to lose? This is just off the charts bizarre and getting more and more crazy by the day. And they could try to pin this on Connor Stallions all they want. But, Joe, there is a reason that Michigan pulled the contract extension Offer off the table for Mr. Harbaugh this weekend.
3: Well, I think they're refuting some of that, whether or not that actually happened. But the the reality of this that you want to take away from everything is that number one, every single day, there's something new developing with this story, which is, Never a good thing when all the developments aren't debunking the allegations, right? Like Michigan's got nothing at no point is Michigan coming out saying, okay, so this is being alleged. It's wrong because of this. Here's a problem that people are talking about. They're off base because of this. They got nothing right now they got nothing they are huddled in meetings trying to figure out how to dodge this and they have got nothing this reminds me of bounty gate two very different scandals but every day there was a new layer to bounty gate do you remember that it was a new player it was a new coach it was a new rumor it was a new allegation every day that story continued to build and the saints had nothing for it and now here we are with michigan every day it's connor stallions was at this game or he was located here or he was doing this which leads me to point two How can this guy be getting so much access and doing so much for the University of Michigan with Jim Harbaugh being 100% out of the loop, right? Like you're telling me that this has been going on, that somehow this staffer ends up on the sidelines at Central Michigan which is coached by Jim McElwain, who in 2018 was the wide receiver coach on Jim Harbaugh's staff at Michigan, that all of that's connected, and this dude ends up there, and he's on the sideline allegedly doing whatever he's supposed to be doing, and Harbaugh has no idea of this whatsoever. Like the amount of circumstantial evidence that is piling up on Michigan's doorstep without them having any way of justifying any of it is just getting as alarming as can be if you are a Michigan backer or if you're someone who's thinking Harbaugh is going to be around past this year.
2: Okay, so here is what ESPN is reporting on Harbaugh's contract that the Wall Street Journal said was rescinded. Sources said a contract push accelerated the week of October 8th But things changed once the NCAA investigation launched. A source told ESPN's Tom Van Haren, Harbaugh was instructed not to sign yet. I'm assuming, was he instructed by his agent or was he instructed by Michigan? That's that's where that gets a little dicey, too. I'll tell you what. If you, having been around college athletics very closely, for 20 plus years, I can honestly say this. There is rarely a time, rarely a time, that a head coach in any sport does not know what is going on inside his program and certainly would have more than an idea about what was going on in terms of efforts being made to help that team win in rather surreptitious fashion. There's there's no way that a coach does not have a clue about it at the very least. Okay, so let's do this then. Let's
3: let's let's flip it around. Let's assume Harbaugh has no idea whatsoever that this is happening. How bad does that look? The well, fact that just- you have no idea that this is taking place on your watch Either way, it's a terrible look for the head coach. It's obviously worse if he knows about it. But if he doesn't know about it, it's still a terrible look. Like, what kind of leadership is that, that all this is happening on your watch and you have no
2: idea? Let me ask you this, Joe. How could a head coach not possibly know when there is other video that we saw last week of the Ohio State-Michigan game from last year with Connor Stallion's on the Michigan bench, studying the signals that are being sent in to CJ Stroud, and then putting his hand up in the air, up and down, and his entire team around him is doing the same thing so that the defense knows what's coming. How is that possible, exactly? How is it that a low-level staffer can look across the field and know that this is coming? Again, sign-stealing, Happens all the time. The lengths to which Michigan is allegedly going here, or that Harbaugh, let me just say this the lengths to which Connor Stallions is allegedly going here, remarkable. That's and that's what makes it so crazy of a story, because, again,
3: like you heard Greeny when we were coming back from break and other people have said this. What's the big deal, right? Like, what's the big deal when it comes to this rule that you can't show up in person and videotape the other team's signs? When if you just show up in person and watch, that's OK.
2: So what like was people- the big deal in, in uh in, in bound? Uh, what do you call it in in the Patriots thing? The you know, with gate? Belichick. Well, what's the big deal in that case?
3: Well, right. No, what I'm saying is I, I'm yeah. not dismissing it as not being a big deal. What I'm saying is I can understand the people who have come out and said it doesn't really see. What's the difference between the two, the, right. the videotaping versus watching, whatever. To your point, though, it's the elaborate nature in which they have gone that this is only what we know, by the way. This is only what we're starting to know. About Connor Stallions and what he's done for this organization, what he's done for this school, what he's done for this program. This is all we've seen so far. Imagine if we have another year to uncover this. Like, at first, we just thought he was showing up in the stands and he was videotaping you know, opposing team signals. Now there's pictures apparently of him on the sideline at Central Michigan in a game against Michigan State. And the head coach of Central Michigan happens to have been a guy who was on Jim Harbaugh's staff at Michigan in 2018.
2: Like, what are we going to find out tomorrow
3: is what I want to know. Yeah, Because I don't uh, think
2: we're done here. I don't think we're done here either. I don't think we're done here either. And the one last question I'll have about this, if Michigan finds enough in their investigation – on harbaugh's involvement here what are they going to do because michigan and listen we all know what the reputation of michigan is it's a fantastic school uh it's exceptionally difficult to get into and let's just call it what it is there are people around michigan that treat it as a holy ground and it is it, it is treated by those people As something that is held above everything else, like Notre Dame, like places like that. What are they going to do if their reputation is sullied? Are they going to do something about it? Or are they going to be okay as long as we're winning? Hmm. I, I continue to be fascinated by this story. It's a great story. Oh, it's great carlin versus joe we are less than three hours away from the nfl trade deadline the very latest on what moves will happen and which ones won't it's next on espn radio
1: this is the carlin versus joe podcast on espn
0: radio 10 seconds on the clock how many things can you name that are always growing your relationships your skills your customer base how about businesses on shopify My benchmark is not wins and losses, it's greatness. So when I go out there, I expect to be able to have that ability to put that on tape and have an influence on the game. And like I say, every week, that's my purpose for being here. I'm not here just to hang out. He wants to be a part of the team excelling, but you want to be a part of that. You want to put your hand in the pile and contribute. And the way that he views it is the more they get him the ball, the better their chances are to win games and to have sustained success.
2: And there's nothing about that belief from Devontae Adams that is inaccurate. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh. Follow us on Instagram, at thatguycarlin, at Fortenbaugh. Don't forget, if you have not subscribed to the podcast of the show, what are you doing? Because you will not miss a minute for when you got to check out You check back in later, you get the podcast wherever you get your podcast. It's Carlin versus Joe. Right now, we welcome in ESPN NFL insider. He is Dan Graziano, who joins us right now. Danny, let's just start with Devontae Adams. Now, it's certainly all all signs seem to be leaning in the direction of him not getting traded today. So the question from there is simply, why? Well,
4: I mean, well, he's their best chance to score any points. I think the rest of the year, right? Like, when they're three and five, like, you guys and I can look at it and say, well, they they stink. They, they, I don't know how they won three. I, I, I mean, I don't think they're going anywhere. But they can't think like that. Josh McDaniels trying to put together a career as a head coach. He needs to win some games. He needs to show he can win. If he, if he has a lousy year again this year, um, that that's a major strike against him. Even if even if he keeps his job, it certainly doesn't doesn't help the perception of him. So, yeah, I, I mean, I just don't know what they would get that they would consider worth not having him, right? Like, I don't think anybody's going to give a first-round pick for 31-year-old Devontae Adams as great as he is. I, I just don't think that's that's in the cards. So, you know, you keep him and you, and you try to continue to, to make your program work the way you thought it would. Uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's too soon. And, you know, it, it, different teams perceive themselves differently, right? Washington's 3-5-2. and five too and they're trading off pieces, but they have reason. They're going to lose that guy, uh, Montez Sweat, at the end of the year anyway, so uh, it's a little different scenario. But I think if you're the Raiders, you're still trying to, you know, have a season.
3: Sticking with the Raiders there for a second, head coach Josh McDaniels, quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, what do you think the future holds? Do you think they're safe coming back next season?
4: Uh, Well, I mean, Garoppolo, they redid the contract after the the foot injury came up so they can get out of it if they want. So, no, I I think uh, he played terribly last night. I mean, it's really just so bad. um, Worse than I think we've seen him in a while. So, uh, you know, they have to assess that as the season goes along. And, you know, I I think with McDaniels, it probably comes down to how bad it gets, right? They're 3-5. They finished 3-14, 3-14, you know, that, that's probably a tough sell to keep him, right? If they finish 7-10, and 10, uh, can they say they showed progress somehow in the second half? Uh, you know, I, I think – I'll say this. It, it's, it's a situation that I think we're going to be keeping an eye on when it comes time to talk about teams that might change coaches. I do not know what Mark Davis will do, uh, w- what it would take to move on, but uh, I do think it's a situation that, that bears watching.
2: Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider, joining us on this trade deadline day, coming up at 4 p.m. Eastern time, about two and a half hours from now. Danny, Titans are 3-4. and Did Sunday's Will Levis performance play a role in what their decisions could be today regarding Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins, who, again, they appear in a similar situation of not departing Tennessee?
4: Yeah, I think so, Chris. I do. I think um, you know they haven't committed to you know Will Levis is our guy going forward, but he's going to get another start this week. Tannehill's still hurt. Uh, that game's Thursday. If he plays well again, you would think that the Tennessee Titans, who picked him thirty third overall in the draft this year, would would want to give him some run and see what he has for the future. Especially Tannehill's contract is up at the end of this year. So, yes, I think if you're thinking that way in your Tennessee, which they have to at least be thinking that way a little bit this week you want that you want him to be in the best possible chance to succeed and obviously he like he liked throwing it to deandre hopkins the other day and was very successful doing it and you know having derrick henry on the team i think you know obviously is another way to help a young quarterback be successful and transition into a role as a starter in the nfl so I do think there is some of that. I mean, there's other factors with Henry financial in terms of uh, trying to get a decent enough return for him from teams in a market where nobody wants to spend on running back, especially a 30-year-old running back. So it may not be as simple as, oh, you know, you could trade Henry and you decide not to. But I think in the case of Hopkins, um, especially, yes, I I think that the idea of taking him away from your rookie quarterback right as he's getting started is not very appealing.
3: There are reports surfacing that the Vikings are going to be trading for quarterback Joshua Dobbs from the Arizona Cardinals. Two-part question, like your initial reaction to that, and then to segue in, is Kyler Murray a realistic option for them this season? I know a lot of people thought the Cardinals might just sit him all year to prevent injury and then look Mm -hmm. to move him, but could he be the starting quarterback of the Cardinals in the near future here?
4: So to the first part on Dobbs, uh, when, when they made the announcement yesterday that Dobbs wasn't going to start this week, that was the first place my mind went. And, and several of the people I was talking to last night, same thing. Uh, could he be on the move and does he make sense in Minnesota? So if that is in fact happening, and, and I haven't heard that it's done or, or that it's that's happening for sure, but that, it would make a lot of sense, right? So uh, he's been a starter this year and he's performed at a, at a fairly decent level and the Vikings need somebody. Uh, In terms of Kyler Murray, yes, the Cardinals' plan is to play him this year. I do not believe that that will be this week, but I think there's a really good chance it could be week 10. They want to see him play. This is a new front office and a new coaching staff that has not worked with him before. They want to see him play to see if he might be their answer going forward. They want to see him play because if he's not, they're going to have to try and trade him this offseason and other teams that they might want to trade him to would want to know if he's healthy. So they want to see him play and see how healthy his legs are. So there are reasons for the Cardinals to do it. It carries risk because of the significant injury guarantees in his contract. And they could be saddled with a big, big financial problem down the road if he were to play and suffer a career ending injury. But I do think where the Cardinals stand in their process, they have to find out what they have in him, whether they believe in him for the future. And if they end up, the answer to that ends up being no, no, then they're going to want to make sure that they've showcased him a little bit uh, for potentially interested teams.
2: Last one for Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider. Dan, who could get moved in the next two and a half hours?
4: So I, I think um, I you're looking at those Broncos receivers that seem like they've been on the market for months now, uh, either Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton. I don't think anybody would be surprised if one of those guys got moved. I don't think they'd move both, and they might move neither. But I think the Broncos have some guys that you could – probably get, even on defense, like a, a linebacker like Josie Jewell, I think they'd listen. I'm not sure how aggressive they're going to be. There are other giants besides Leonard Williams who got traded yesterday that I think, you know, they would listen on. Uh, Xavier McKinney, I think, is a safety who who um, who has some teams uh, that have expressed some interest. The Patriots uh, have an edge rusher, Josh, Josh Uche, who's free agent eligible, eligible, I can't even talk, at the end of this year. Um, I think they would listen on him and I wonder if teams that missed Alan Montez sweat um, might take a look there. So that's some names. Uh they're not the most thrilling and exciting and fantasy friendly names, but uh this is you know, this is not the major league baseball or the NBA trade deadline. It's the NFL and and, and it's too early in the season and uh and sometimes the movement gets limited.
2: Dan, we agree. Those are names. Thank you. <laughs> All of those people have names. That's correct. Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider, one of the best at it. We appreciate it as always, Danny. So, with the trade deadline approaching, there is so much intrigue. Even with the names that are not necessarily the ones that jump off the page. Joe, meanwhile, is about to compare one of the top college, uh, one of the top coaches in college football. To the BlackBerry, stick around. It's next, ESPN Radio and the ESPN.
1: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN
4: Radio.
5: Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com.
1: There's a new superstar in the NBA.
3: Wimby the deep catch, the turn, and the flip!
1: And all season, Carlin versus Joe have their eyes on Victor Wimbinyama. That was so, so special. This is Wimby Watch.
3: It's Victor Wembinyama Day. Right, here we go, Victor Wembanyama, the number one overall pick in action tonight. The Phoenix Suns. This is a nice little test. Our six and a half point favorites over the San Antonio Spurs. Total of two twenty six. The Suns two and one on the season. The Spurs one and two on the season through three games, all of which he has played. Victor Wembanyama is averaging 15 points, 7 rebounds, 1.7 assists, and 1.7 blocks per game over the course of 27 minutes per game. Nice little rookie season so far, and it's been fun to watch. So this leads us into pizza money. We already gave one out earlier. Andrew Heaney, the starting pitcher tonight for the Texas Rangers, under nine and a half outs recorded. Pizza money number two. This is a heat check pizza money. Okay, Carlin, are you ready? It's a heat check pizza money. Heat check pizza money. Heat check pizza money. Victor Wembanyama over three and a half turnovers, minus 105. Wow. Now, we have bet this in every single game he's played so far. In game one, the prop was one and a half turnovers. Okay, it was a great overprice. We smashed it. They bumped it up to two and a half for games two and three, and he went flying over both of those. So now they're moving it up to three and a half minus 105 to the over. So like I said, it's a heat check. We're going to see if we can get there. So far this season, he's had five turnovers, four turnovers, and five turnovers in his three games. In the preseason, he averaged about 20 minutes per night, and he was averaging three turnovers per game. So total heat check shot right here. Victor Weminyama over three and a half. Turnovers minus 105.
1: College football Saturday on ESPN Radio. The undefeated and fifth-ranked Washington Huskies face a major road test at the Coliseum in Los Angeles when they face Caleb Williams in 24th ranked USC. Coverage begins Saturday at 7 Eastern with kickoff at 7:30 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ABC. Presented by Dr. Pepper.
2: Loved getting the text over the weekend after he hit the Wembenyama over on the turnovers. Victor Wembenyama, We know him better than his parents.
3: <laughs> That's how it feels right now. We've been red hot. But if this one doesn't hit, we're going to have to reassess.
2: Get back to the drawing board. It's Carlin versus Joe ESPN radio presented by Progressive Insurance. And look, Dabo Swinney as... He's complicated. He's complicated because he has been such a great coach in getting Clemson back to the top of the heap, but it is falling away from the Tigers very quickly, and it appears to be because... He is unwilling to change. He is unwilling to embrace the transfer portal. I don't know where his stances are on NIL right now, but it feels like Clemson is falling behind, Joe. And last night, he was doing his uh, coach's radio show. And I've done these kind of shows before. And sometimes they can get a little testy when things are not going well. And that is exactly what happened on his show Tiger calls last night. You can have all your opinions that you want, all right? I don't know how old you are. don't really care, all right? But let me tell you something. Um, we won 11 games last year, and you're part of the problem, to be honest with you, because that is part of the problem. It's people like you that do that all you do is the, the appreciation, the expectation is greater than the appreciation, mm-hmm. and that's the problem. And so, you know, we've won 12 10-plus win year, seasons in a row. That's happened three times in 150 years. So if you want to know why, Clemson ain't snipping national championship for 35 years. We've won two in seven years. And there's only two other teams that can say that, Georgia and Alabama. Okay? Is this a bad year? Is this a – yeah. And it's my responsibility. Take 100% responsibility for it. And all this bull crap you're thinking, all these narratives you read, listen, man, you can have your opinion all you want, and you can apply for the job. And good luck to you. And that was in reference to the question from a caller of – You're making $11 million a year to go four and four. What's the problem here, coach? And that was his response to it. This is, for for Dabo, I I get where he's coming from on every front, but he's got to be smart enough to know that you never, ever, ever win when you take on the fans.
3: But he's not. And this is the difference between Dabo and Nick Saban. You don't think Alabama fans come after Nick Saban when he loses to Texas? difference between that is Saban works through it he's diplomatic he understands the importance of the fans and the fan base and then he goes out and he wins a bunch more games that's what he does right that's greatness that's the highest level Dabo and Clemson were there for a little while they had a remarkable run he's writing a lot of what he said nobody cares about that right now they care about where you're at currently because you're still getting paid at a very high level you're still expected to produce at a high level but you're not so they've got questions and you know what He's frustrated, and he's not handling it well. Rather than play diplomat, rather than handle it with leadership, with class, with grace, he's going to go at the fan like that. And that's fine. That's his prerogative. It's part of what makes him interesting. But, you know, this is the same guy that insists on running out in front of his entire team when they come down the, that, uh, the little hill there at Clemson in front of everyone. He's got to be the guy that's out in front. It's got to be him. And this is a guy whose best days have passed him by. He failed to make the necessary adjustments. He rested on his laurels. That's the problem for Dabo right now at Clemson. Same thing, and this was in your tease, same thing happened with Mike Lazaridis, who was one of the founders and one of the architects behind the BlackBerry. BlackBerry in 2009 had more than 50% of the market share when it came to smartphones. More than 50%, they were dominant. Presidents used it, celebrities used it. It was the go-to device. Apple came out. With the iPhone in 2007, and it started creeping up on BlackBerry. Touchscreen, all that fun technology. Lazaridis and BlackBerry sat there and said, no, doesn't matter. This is a fad. This may be popular now, but people will continue to use us. They love us. And the correlation here, Dabo... Didn't need to worry about the transfer portal. Made it very clear that's not what Clemson does. So when guys like Mike Norvell at Florida State build back up the Seminoles, who's right there in that ACC with Clemson, they're doing it by taking advantage of the new rules, the new policy, the new way of doing business. Dabo refused to adapt, and if you don't adapt, you end up dying. And that's what's happening to Clemson right now. He didn't want to do NIL, or he didn't necessarily want to take advantage of the transfer portal. BlackBerry didn't want to go the way of the touchscreen. So
2: be it. Both businesses falling flat on their face. Well, here's what's nuts to me, right? He doesn't want to do it. Nobody wants to do it across college football. Nobody wants to be pounding the transfer portal to try to make it work. Nobody wants to be involved in NIL and spending every last waking moment trying to figure out how they're going to raise more money to do that. Nobody wants it. But the majority of people understand you have to do it. And just because you're Dabo Swinney, this is where we mix in the arrogance, Joe. Because you're Dabo Swinney, because we're Clemson, because we, you know, produce Trevor Lawrence, because we have won two national championships, because we've done what Alabama and Georgia have done. No, no, no. We don't have to do all that. That is where you find your way out the door. Do you think Kirby Smart is not pounding the transfer portal? Do you think Nick Saban is not pounding the transfer portal? He was doing that for years before this. I'm blown away by the fact that you can be this arrogant when you look at the landscape of college football right now.
3: Blown away. Everybody is looking for an edge. Look no further than Michigan to see what they've been up to, allegedly. Right? Right. The transfer portal was an edge for Florida State. Dabo
2: passed. You see where it's gotten him. It is is an amazing situation, and they're getting burned by it.
1: This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.